Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it is time for another episode of Let's Go Steal a Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the fairy godparent job. And Lisa Lynn is back with me. Hey, y'all. Very exciting, especially because last week I was all alone. <laughs> I was very lonely. Yes. So this episode was directed by Jonathan Frakes, and it was written by Amy Berg. It aired on August 5th, 2009, and then we have all of our lovely executive producers, Chris Downey, John Rogers, etc. Uh, all the usual suspects. All the usual suspects. Yeah. I I think I've mentioned this in the past. I kind of have forgotten what happens until I start watching the episode again, and then it all, all starts coming back to me. But in this episode, to recover stolen funds, the crew infiltrates a posh private school to lure an incarcerated investment banker out of house arrest. <coughs> and I literally got... I, <coughs> until the reveal of these characters until I was like, Oh, that's why Lisa wanted to be on this episode <laughs> because of Taggart and McSweeten. <laughs> At first I was like, Oh, it's Amy Berg. Yeah. We did the bank shot job first. She wrote that one. Yes. Um, Oh, Jonathan Frakes. Oh, he, uh, he directed the, the jury job and you were on that with me, right? Yes. Yeah. You and the jury job. So, but then I got to tag her at McSweet and I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> this is why. <laughs> I mean, because we get to mock kids with names like Skylar and Indigo. Indigo, Juilliard. I should have written. And Millard. But Widmark. 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 But we're getting ahead of ourselves. But we, yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So the episode opens uh, with a terrified father whose daughter is having um, an asthma attack pounding on the door of a clinic. Uh, and it's closed because it's a free clinic that has run out of funding because sweet, sweet Nurse K uh, convinced her board of trustees to invest with Daniel Fowler, who, who did them wrong and did most of the parents at his stepson's private school wrong as well. And he is um, under currently under house arrest in his apartment, being investigated by the FBI and surveilled by them 24-7. And very cranky about it. <clears throat> oh yeah. Um ugh. but yeah, so she does they don't have time to wait for the government to unfreeze his assets and give the money back to its rightful owners because the, the clinic will be sold like in the next week. So the, the gang has a very short window of time to find find the money and, and get them like, some and, Like John Rogers always says, like, what obstacles can we throw their way? Like, this is the best of the best. How do we challenge them? But the way he puts it is, how do we constrain them in time and space? Yeah. So we got a hard deadline here. Yeah. And, and yeah, they've upped the stakes at the very beginning. And all these sick kids that aren't going to get the care. So come on, mm. this is the must do. Yeah. So. I really love Nurse K. I think she is precious. Um, her the 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 um the actress who plays her. Her name is October Moore. Seriously, her name is October. Her name is October. So I love her even more because it's literally oh my God. Like, that is like so the best month of the year. No one who would have gone to that prep school. You know that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> she fit right in. Like, no offense to Ms. October more, but like, seriously. No, I know. She's perfect. And I, I really like her character. She has a full time job as a school nurse and then on the weekends volunteers at a free clinic. Like, what, what a gem. I know. And, and she is so. Like a good, like a good innocent person credential. Yes, yeah, and and like that one. Yeah, and she, you know, she trusted the wrong person, and now she's a little gun shy, even though she's coming to these, you know, mysterious people in a bar and telling <laughs> telling them her problems and hoping they'll help fix it. Ugh. And and which you know this these trust issues are not made better by the fact that Parker is it's standing in, in. yeah she's standing in as Sophie I, mean, I, I it's almost like you're going to the doctor's office and you have the intake forms like where they mm -hmm. give you information like they're in the preliminary like intake form so this is like the intake meeting yes and but but with like a sociopath who um can only say cruel things to you <laughs> not intentionally Parker no no, she's trying. She's working on it. And then she like laughs because she thinks it's ironic that the stepson of Fowler is a sweet kid, but he's allergic to strawberries. <laughs> and then she like pats her hand. She's like, it's okay. We all do stupid things sometimes. And my favorite, 
That's okay. We don't trust you either. And Nate just and just Nate's just looking at her like after Sophie. Exactly. And Sophie sadly is is I mean, getting like, the like, the breakup speech. Like we talked about like how far Crawford's come. Mm-hmm. It's so very much a work in progress. Very much a work in and, progress. Right? And Parker's come a long way at working with humans when she is playing somebody besides herself. You know, when she's on the jury, she wasn't herself. When she, uh, in the, was it the the last one that we talked about? When she was- She was the nun. She's the nun. Um, But before, yeah, when she's playing the federal agent or whatever, and you know. So she's getting better while on the con, but in, in real life, she's still got a long ways to go. Like, Parker, this is not how we talk to people. <laughs> I've told you again and again. We, we have to show empathy. But they were stupid. We still don't <laughs> say they're stupid. Nope, can't say those things. That's, there's a social contract. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Sophie is getting the breakup speech from her boyfriend. Uh, uh, and this is the first time that we've seen him. And he seems like a very sweet man. He's a professor. But this is where we kick off, like, Sophie's, like, kind of like, art. Because... Yes. The Bambina was coming. <laughs> I know. So I, I love this arc, though. Like, she, you know, we're seeing the beginning of this, like, <laughs> Sophie is not herself. Does Sophie know who she is? What is what is line between... Having yeah. an existential crisis. Exactly. And, and, you know, planting that seed here, you know, in, you know, knowing in advance that Gina Bellman will have to step out for part of the season because she's going to have a baby. But it's so fitting with the character's arc already. You know, the first season is her trying to deal with the fact that she's with Nate, but she is not actually with with Nate the way that she thought she was going to be. So, like, that rug has been pulled out from underneath her, and now she's settling into, like, this new life and how that affects her. And that's going to have ramifications. And And I, I think it's brilliant. And the fact, and again, like you said, like once you figure out what's going on, it is also so easy to see, like the hide the pregnancy shots. It is, but I, I, even though I can see every time they're doing something, I also there are scenes where they're not as much, and I'm like, look, she's not really showing yet. I mean, Gina Bellman is very thin normally, but she just looks like she's put on a little weight. Like it does not look like she's got like a legit baby bump. I mean, the, the clothes are just a tiny bit little baggy mm-hmm. and they're, they're not as form-fitting, you know. Yeah. And, and she's eating cookies. I love that scene when she comes back and she's just, like, shoveling food into her mouth. She's eating her feelings. She is. She's She is eating her feelings. And, you know, as, as somebody who's been dumped, I understand this. Somebody who likes to eat her feelings, I understand this. But in the commentary, they were saying, oh, no, it's because that's the height of the counter hid her stomach. I'm like, no, Gina Bellman is playing this as I just got dumped and I'm trying to save face and I need to eat And I'm everything. trying to hold it together and not lose it in front of these colleagues of mine. Yeah, who are not even supposed to know where I was, but thank you, Parker, for telling everyone. Again, Parker, learn to read the room, mm-hmm. please. Mm-hmm. I do love when uh, Hardison comes in and he like is showing off his how he turned his phone into... A metal detector, which is important for later in the episode, so we need this exposition. But Elliot's just pissed off that he's his reading is being interrupted. Okay, that version crack is not cool. I do not like that. No, it was like some virgin shaming. We don't. Um, we don't sexual shame. You know, we do not. We do not. No. So yeah, <laughs> and but then like I think it's hilarious that Hardison's reaction is to like raise his hand to punch Elliot. <laughs> like, oh come on! Really? That's like if he was going to try to hack you, Elliot. Nick, no. Just your strengths. Uh, yeah. He also tells Nate, I told you so about taking Parker. And he's like, I told you not to take her. And then when... Uh, but, then, but the thing is, like, Parker's like, it went super swell. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, she thinks everything went great. Well. Hunky Dory, she did a great job. We got a job. I did it. Yeah. Uh, they were talking in the commentary how they've learned to accept scenes like the one that we're in where they're all sitting around the screens and watching them and talking and as writers they want to 
And writers, they want to get them up and doing things and they want to have like flashbacks to them uh, bugging the, ho- the, the apartment yeah. and things like that. Yeah. yeah, but it's really expensive budget-wise. So just have them talk to each other, you know? And it's hard for them to, to do that. But also like fans love that. But from a pure writing perspective and a shooting perspective, like empirically, that's very boring. You're just watching people just sitting around a table talking to each other. Like, mm. That's just intrinsically not very interesting. Yes, ordinarily, but ordinarily. I would watch these people just sit around in a room and just talk to each other all day because, because of how they interact with each other. The com- and the competence porn aspect. Yes, and they're just so good. So we, we learned about Fowler, who uh, is an investment banker, but his it was like a huge... Madoff thing, so it was completely a con from the from the get go. They're paying off the SEC and things like that, so it's just taken all this money from from investors all over the place. And the FBI has arrested him and has him under house arrest at his house. And I loved how Harding Hardison like just slapped a little house arrest on him. Yeah, um, and I just so going back to like just loving seeing these characters interact with each other in a scene. They have like, especially Hardy, Hardy, Hardison, Elliot and Parker have this give and take in this scene where uh, Hardison is describing how the, the FBI has done all this research on, you know, looking at his background and everything. And he says, the FBI is very thorough. And he says it with this voice and oh, no, 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 sorry. Elliot says that the FBI is very thorough. And then Hardison says, yes, they are. And Parker immediately says, so what, so what did they miss? Yeah, and they they just have this rapport between the three of them. We we know, know, like, they got a miss of something. Yeah, especially the way that, you know, Hardison's getting all, like, excited about telling us something, you know? Like, yeah. He he just loves, he lives for these debriefings. He does. He's (laughs) he's a born storyteller. He like he like he's like he's like putting on a presentation. He's giving mm-hmm. a presentation. Look at this hard work I put in, people. Look at exactly. Look at you. Yes, I'm like, look at this. I found these accounts. And Some respect, people. Respect. <laughs> I know. Um. So, Hardison has found that twenty million dollars was taken off the books just before Fowler was taken down. And moved and, to the Maldives. And yes, and uh, they've got to be able to find it somehow and the evidence for it or whatever is going to be in his apartment so now they have to figure out how to get him out of his apartment which is where the exposition about the house arrest comes in it's like yes instructions to the house arrest yes so this is also when sophie comes in and i liked when she walks in partisan like or no elliot flips around in his chair to see who it is as if it's going to be anybody but sophie and then he immediately like and it's really subtle. He looks back over his shoulder at Nate, like, ooh, Nate, are you going to say anything? She got here late. Is she in trouble? Almost like how cops, like, will never want to sit with their backs to the door. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Ellie is in charge of security. It's what he does. Yeah. He's the perimeter. It's weird that he did sit with his back to the door then. Yeah, this is true. But I think Hardison has enough stuff set up. But really, who else could it have been? I know, I know, yeah. I know, honey. Yeah. Oh well. So Hardison is piggybacked onto the FBI's feed, and they can they can watch everything going, and everyone's really pleased with themselves. But they've, like you were saying, this is when they kind of do the exposition on the ways to get someone out of house arrest, the little loopholes. So they are, uh, like they could burn down the apartment. <laughs> That's one thing, and Barker is very eager to volunteer for that job. Uh, they could, there could be a death in the family. Uh, but then they see how Fowler treats his stepson. But okay. wouldn't there also be a medical exception, though? Possibly. Yeah, I would. Maybe they just. Well, they did just say there were three reasons. I mean, like and I would. Assume, yeah. You know, like. Well, no. So I think that like burning the building down. That's probably like if there was an emergency. Right. I think burning the building down, uh, having a heart attack. Uh, they they uh, couldn't uh, give him a heart attack. Go 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 go. Okay. Yeah. So, but then they see someone (laughs) who spent six figures on a JD. If you don't specify what you mean, (laughs) if it's not not within the four corners of the document, it does not exist. Okay? If you're saying emergency, you better define what that means. If you're saying only if the house burns down, then that means if the house burns down. That does not encompass an emergency. 
Okay. 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 No, but honestly, like, 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 I have never been in a lot of a situation where, like, I had to learn the rules of house arrest. Put <laughs> <laughs> that out there. I have no arrest record. Like, I've been fingerprinted multiple times. I've never had a arrest record. I've never been being. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> I mean, our listeners don't know that I, I don't thoroughly vet everybody who comes on the show. Come on. We run a clean podcast here. <laughs> um, but that being said, like, it would make more sense to me that there would be a medical session as opposed to a day pass to get your sons in a flat. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they didn't know everything about day passes. And maybe a medical thing is not a day pass. Maybe it's different. Yeah, that's just true. Because they only need him out for a little bit. They don't need him. They don't need him dead. Because they want him to. They want him to stand trial. So yeah. So yeah. So they've got to get. They've got to get him out. And one of the ways is. What is it even called? Like just a day pass to go attend a, a child's event or something. Yeah, or just a day pass for something for yeah. something significant. Which yeah, I think they said like it would have to be approved, so it can't just be any old thing. Yeah, so that's why Nate is like, we gotta give Winmarks, we gotta give him something worthy of a day pass to get him out of the house. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And poor Winmark deserves something good because his stepdad is an asshole. Nobody is friends with him at school. He's not good at anything. He's this puny little baby. He's played oh. by Alex Mensel, who went on to be a warbler on Glee. Interesting. So this poor kid cannot get out of private school. <laughs> Can we just discuss, like backtrack and discuss the name Widmark for a moment? Mm-hmm. Like this is what I feel like we should have had Adele on this podcast because she went to boarding school. As you could tell us, she probably has probably knows a real life. No, Adele went to boarding school. Yes, a posh. Well, she probably knows a real life Widmark. <laughs> but like, I am not a you know like. I am not posh enough to hang in those circles. Oh no. Like, I don't have, I'm not, I don't know any Boston Brahmins who can literally trace the ancestry back to the Mayflower. I don't know any of those folks. Mm-mm. I mean, so I'm assuming if your name is like, like, Winmark, it's gotta be a family name or something. I guess so. There's a, an actor named Richard Widmark. Yeah. I mean, um, I was watching the Finding Your Roots thing with Kira Sedgwick, mm-hmm. and like apparently, like she is Sedgwick is one of those names. Mm-hmm. And then so we're like, because there's like a Sedgwick Hall, so, yeah. But I'm like, if your father's name is Henry Dwight Sedgwick the <laughs> Fourth, like literally, I believe that's what her father's name is. Wow. That might be a little tip off that you like that your family's blood might be just a tad blue, just a tad. Mm-hmm. What's the name? Just a little bit. Henry Dwight Sedgwick the <laughs> Fourth. <laughs> the name Widmark is of Swedish origin. It's an ornamental name composed of the elements wid, an element of uncertain meaning, um, and mark, which means land. So I have no idea land. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Could you imagine some like posh private school or like boarding school with like Widmark Hall? Oh or, yeah, Widmark Commons or something like mm-hmm. that. The Widmark Library. Exactly. So yeah, <laughs> so unfortunately, Widmark is not yet capable of carrying on this ridiculous name. But he's yeah. a very adorable, sweet little boy. He is he's so cute with his little curly hair? Especially when we see his mean old asshole like stepfather, like. You know, beat up on him. We immediately sympathize. Mm-hmm. But, like, we also, were- that Fowler dude is creepy looking. He has like really big glassy eyes. I don't. Look, I mean, like you know, like- we want a clean podcast here, people, but we will curse on occasion. Deal with oh, it. Yeah. it is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Creepy, creepy asshole. <laughs> uh, and I love I, kind of the first interaction you see with them is him yelling at Widmark for losing his phone. And he says, don't you have any respect for your things? Don't you have any respect for me? And I'd be like, no, I don't have any respect for you. asshole move when we find out what really did happen to that cell phone, which we shall get to. Yes, yes. But I mean, the audacity of, of a guy saying, don't you have any respect for me? Like, no, you have swindled money out of so many people. You're a bad person and I have absolutely no respect for you. Life at school. Yes. 
It's bad. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's get back to the episode. Uh, Hardison gets to play a character, which he loves. Yeah, because they decide that we're going to take up, we're going to steal the school and mm-hmm. give Yvonne a win. Yes. Like, so that's literally how they, let's go steal the school. Let's go steal the school. Uh, so they have to entice the headmaster away and they entice him all the way to Botswana. Because he wrote his, his, okay. his master's thesis. I know you love your boy, but I gotta say, no, he oversold it again. He overplayed it again. It's perfect. It's so good. See, you know he overplayed that inch. You know he but did. he's supposed to. Like, that's. Subtlety was not needed for this scene. Which some drips like honey on which bees feast. Seriously? All these fucking glorious pages. Come on. Yes. I it's too good. It's too good. Wait, works, didn't it? I don't know if it was the flattery or his assistant coming in with that stack of files that he doesn't want to deal with. Because like, you know, he decided yes when he looked at that stack of files coming in. Like, I would rather go to Botswana than deal with that. I mean, same. <laughs> same. Botswana's supposed to be beautiful. So I've never been to Africa. I haven't either. But I have read the very first story in the ladies, ladies, best ladies detective agency or whatever. Number one ladies detective agency. And that's in Botswana. And it sounds great. To be honest, I've never been south of the equator. So I think that should be on my bucket list. Just get south of the equator at some point. I've been to Australia, so check. God, the flight Uh, must have been brutal. It was really long. Right? It was all right. It was all right. Okay, so... Hardison so did his job, and he wore the principal headmaster. did. So now, Nate, with the worst hair that I've ever seen. And ever. Uh, where did he come up with that accent? Why did he have to be some weird German creepy dude? I know, because you expect, like, some weird person who has studied child behavior to be some weird German dude. Uh-huh. Honestly. Honestly. So, uh... And the parents are the parents are awful and like very. Uh, as someone as someone who as someone who works with uh, students and sees parents on a regular basis, th- these parents are very in keeping with the parents that I've met. Um, oh God. Whether or not whether or not they're private or public school parents, there there's a certain uh, demographic of parents who are very helicoptery and very involved with like every step of their child's life and school experience okay, and see, like, it's exhausting. maybe it's just the generation where I, where I grew up or maybe because my parents were too busy actually working he tabs on me like that but my parents were never helicoptery like that no mine were I, like, just, my parents would let me go off and like ride my bike like they were mm-hmm. not afraid I would not would not be a, they were not afraid that I was going to be abducted because mm-hmm. the reality is the chances of that actually happening are very, very low. And mm-hmm. with the chances of that, it's actually spouses, divorcing spouses, separating spouses with, like, with a custody dispute. It's usually the other parents kidnapping the kid. Yeah. Yeah. No, my parents were the same. And we lived kind of out in the country. So, um, and my parents both worked a lot. So I was in after, after school daycare. And, you know, then when I was old enough, I like babysat my, my sisters, but... Yeah, um, like, just like go ride our my my neighbors and I who are a year older than me would we just go ride our bikes around like on the county roads and stuff. And so like, we, like, we, we did have yeah we, yeah we, we did have a girl who was uh, abducted and murdered, um, like less than five miles from where we lived. So uh, and there was like a manhunt to find her for a while. Uh, so after that, we weren't really allowed to ride our bikes by ourselves. Yeah, I mean then, like, that was really close to home. I was suburbia, so I was part of a development, so there were like a ton of cul-de-sacs. So like, I would, we would just be running, riding our bikes around there. Or then, like, I would ride maybe like four or five blocks to to my piano teacher's house for my piano lesson. Like, my mm-hmm. piano, like, you could just walk by yourself or like, yeah, walk over there. Well, that when I was like six or seven. By the time I was like ten or eleven or twelve, like, you can go by yourself. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you know, it's basically like. Yeah, it, like that would probably get child services called on them today. Like, let's be real. I don't think so, but I think it, it'd be. Yeah, I don't think that's without the, like outside of the realm of possibility. But I, I don't think it's like super likely because there are still a lot of kids who do 
you know, have free range parents and stuff like that. But yeah, but these parents being all upset about this change halfway through the semester and all this stuff, this rang very true. This is a little prunella. I know. She, that poor secretary slash vice principal lady. Um, she eventually just don't want to shut up. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, so they, the kind of the head of these, this angry mob of parents is um, Mr. Sanford, who we'll show back up later. And, and, and Widmark's mom is there. I didn't really realize that was her uh, the first couple of times I watched it, but she's kind of right there on the, the right side of the screen. I mean, but just from a parenting perspective, like, you have to be a teen. So, like, when he re- when he, like, when the stepfather, even though he was an asshole about it, mm-hmm. read her out, like, she kind of, like, undermined his authority a little bit, like, I'll talk to him. Yeah. Like, but, like, the real right thing to do would have been, like, talk to him afterward, but not undermine him, like, in front of the kid. Because if he had been an actually, like, good dad and trying to discipline the kid, like... Yeah, but he wasn't. Have, and so she had every right to undermine him. You have to be, like, I mean, like, you have to be, like, you know... You have to be on the same page. And you, you can't let your kid divide and conquer. That yeah. is my... That's my hope. Yeah, but not in this situation because Widmark wasn't dividing and conquering anything. Widmark didn't even actually lose his phone. So, and that guy just, uh, yeah, that guy's just a raging asshole, and uh, there's no there's no excuse for him. He's the worst. In this episode, we've we've seen worse people. Uh, so, so Sophie and Elliot have infiltrated the school as teachers, and I have a note here that I really loved Sophie's hair in that scene. Then Parker and Hardison in the most obnoxious, like their interpretation, yuppie, yuppie, waspy, preppy wear is so great. So they're a newlywed couple, and they and he actually has the sweater thrown around his over his shoulder, right? Totally does. Uh, And they're they're buying a building in Fowler, an apartment in Fowler's building. Binky, he calls her Binky, (laughs) and he even has this affected accent on too. Binky, what do you think? Uh, and she's checking the air ducts. Binky actually like a wasp name. Like, are there actually binkies running around? Sure. I don't know well, anyone. Like, Sex in the City, Trey was actually a total wasp, and his mother's name was Bunny. So if you have a but if there was a bunny, I'm sure surely, surely there's can be a binky. Oh so. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh yes. So they they buy that and Parker loves air. <laughs> He's like, he she just loves air. <laughs> and, I mean, if you're a real estate agent, like, don't you think it'd be a little weird? I'm sure she's seen weirder things. Rich people are strange. Yeah, so uh, it's it's proving difficult to find something that Widmark is actually good at. Poor boy. So I mean, bad. He's 11 years old. He's not supposed to be great at anything. I know. And Elliot, I love this because it kind of harkens back to the last episode uh, where he helps out the kid who's being abused by his dad. Um, and Elliot's just not hyped about manip- manipulating a kid to get at the mark. I mean, but again, there's a little bit of shaming when Elliot's like, don't do that. There are girls here. And I'm like, that's yes. a little shaming, Elliot. Like, not cool. Yeah. And, and very heteronormative. I don't know that Woodmark <laughs> likes girls. Right? So, um, but I do love how he says it. He's like, what are you doing? There are girls here. And like, how, how could you, cool? like, because that's that's how Elliot thinks. Like, I gotta look cool to impress girls. But barely so. able to contain his disdain. Like, Skylar, seriously, that's your name? Skylar? Well, that kid deserves disdain. Like, that's how you kind of jerk. cut that kid down. He's definitely a jerk in that first one. And then you just see him in the background of everything else. Just like he gets a really hard pseudo-syllogism pseudo in the spelling bee. And nobody gives a shit about his potato battery <laughs> in the sciencical. Um, Skylar Sanford. Sy- Skylar Sanford. Yeah, he makes sure to say his first and last name, which is good because that'll come back later. But, so, you yeah. know, but I was like, but you, I like even Elliot and Sophie have a line. Like, we go after bad guys, but we mm-hmm. we are not in the business of destroying children's psyches. Yes, yes. But then Sophie, you know, Nate says something persuasive and Sophie's like, oh, okay, so we're like his very godparents. We're just, you know, because he says, well, every kid is good at something. We just have to figure out what it is and, and you know, enhance that. And so she's like, oh, okay, we're fairy godparents. We can do this. We can make him better. But uh, I just like that. Like, even they're like, 
look, we don't mess with kids. Like that is mm-hmm. that's a line we do not cross. We do not mess with children's psyches. We do not scar them from that. Yeah. And Nate, this is Nate's trajectory in this season is that he doesn't care. He's gonna manipulate people with, you know, their just any any way he can. He's, he's, he's getting ruthless. Yeah. And anything I have to do in between here and there, like all's fair. It's justifying the means. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so in the the montage scenes of trying to find something that Woodmark is good at, we get to we get to meet the amazing Judy Kim, who is a spelling oh, wow. whiz. And like Susie took that personally. She like Judy <laughs> There's even like she's just like oh my gosh, like leaning back in her like, chair. Well, spell flitter, flitter me, flitter me, Liberty Gibbet. Like, yeah. I dare you. Anti disestablishmentarianism. And she's like, got it. And and they were saying, like, in the commentary, and and it's obvious that Sophie feels this way, but she, like, they're like, this is the girl you hate. And I'm like, are you kidding? I love Judy Kims. Like, give me all the Judy Kims. Like, she's the Paris Geller. I love her. It's just the stereotype of my people. Yeah. But, but like I know like, some kids like that, like slide. like Asian kids are not Asian kids, and I love those like super earnest, like I'm gonna get a straight A on everything, like I just do it but all. You know, the ones who get ulcers when they're 14 years old. It's true, but she's still looking like she's having a good time, and therefore, I mean, I but I think we're supposed to not like her because she's really smart, because she's you know doing all of it, and like that's kind of how it's free. She's blocking. She's blocking with Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so she's working really hard and, and she's supposed to be annoying, but I, I still like her. And then I, it sucks that she loses out to this white kid, you know, who hasn't done the work, who has isn't as good. And it's just because his dad has money that they want. But wait, no. The Windmark misspells the word. He's knocked out. He is. Think? He is. So she does go on to the spelling bee, but then she kind of gets knocked down in the, the science thing. Oh, but she does get to do the spelling bee, so she's and she's gonna kick butt. Um, I'm just like I'm here for Judy Kim. I like Judy Kim. There can be no confusion. That fusion love powers us all. <laughs> yes. So when they wrote that song, uh, John Rogers, because he came up with the, the fusion confusion rhyme, and he's very proud of it. And apparently, he would just sing that in the writers' room all of the time, like not just while they were doing this episode, but like for months afterward. <laughs> I can all even imagine doing the jazz hands and doing little. (laughs) I want to learn the um, the photosynthesis song. Photosynthesis. (laughs) That cute little boy, that little boy who sings that song. He initially auditioned for Widmark's role, and they they liked him so much that they that they gave him the photosynthesis. (laughs) I love the songs. That's a ridiculous. Clouds are fine. Running. <laughs> I'm punching Don't y'all. Don't be so serious. Uh, okay, so after the the spelling bee tryouts, way ahead of ourselves. I know we got so ahead of ourselves. Spoilers. There's music. Um, <laughs> there's this really cute scene with Widmark and Sophie, and you know she's she's trying to buck him up, and she's like, "You just gotta try," and he's like, "I do try. I try all the time, really hard, and it just doesn't ever work." And, oh, and and he just wants like he literally says that I just want someone to like me, and then he asks if that gets easier when you're a grown up, and oh, she God. has to honey. she's honest and says no. It doesn't. I think I think because I think that he was doing okay, mm-hmm. but then the thing with his stepfather went down and he became a total like riot. Yeah. yeah, and he says that he's like I had friends, but now they won't talk to me. Oh. So he's like he was probably one of those kids who didn't have a ton of friends. He was still awkward, not really great at things. But again, he's ten. Um, but well, he's gonna, he had a few good friends. But then they got their parents got screwed and then, over. And, and like, you know that had nothing to do with you, right? But they, and he called like, "So why won't they talk?" But they, they don't talk to me. Yeah, like so it doesn't matter because look at the the end result. This yeah. And anyways, but like you could, but he is going to be one of those Bill Gates types. Mm-hmm. And then they're all going to be working for him. Yeah. And I hope he's, like, really sweet. But, I mean, he stays really sweet. 
Um, I just want, I want this kid to be on Broadway. He was great. Okay, but that's getting ahead of our Skylar will well. still never get a job with my company. Skylar will never get a job with <laughs> uh, And this, so we have this serious scene between Widmark and Sophie, and then it immediately jumps over to this very comical, like, physical comedy scene with Parker and Hardison, who are trying to set up this motion detector in the hallway outside of Fowler's apartment, he- being very loud. <laughs> and then they're interrupted by the elevator, and we see two FBI agents get off the elevator and go talk to Fowler. And then a gunman from the back, and you don't yes, know. Yes, we don't know who they are yet. Um, and then a gunman like pokes his head out of the stairwell and takes aim. And Parker and Hardison jump in to stop him. And then Hardison goes running after him, and she's grabbed this guy's gun, and <laughs> she turns around because they're like, hey, like wait. wild look in his eyes. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Parker is in like feral like survival mode. Mm-hmm. Come at me! Yeah, she's like, oh, oh, I got this. But it's Taggart and McSweeten, and they recognize her. Thank goodness, because she's totally forgotten who they are. <laughs> Agent Hagen. <laughs> yes, um, and they and tell them that they're their secret backup. <laughs> And McSween's crush is as strong as It's just like he's been quietly just nurturing this crush forever. Like, since he saw them at the Moscone case. I mean, but, like, don't you think that he were trying to find them in the FBI database? And I can't Right? Find Wouldn't he just casually be like, you know, hey, have you seen Agent Hagen? Blah, blah, blah. Or like, we're like, hey, let me see where she's located. Or mm-hmm. maybe. What, yeah, what branch is she? Yeah, like what office is she with? Like, yeah. Though Hardison's probably Hardison's identities are so good that I mean probably. he got jury duty as one of her characters, so they're pro- she's he probably did all the due diligence because I don't think Hardison sleeps. Um, and yeah, and I love when they they leave to go back to their surveillance, and McSweeten says, oh, "Can you imagine having a partner like that?" And Taggart gets jealous. Do you, yeah. do you want to see other partners? That's not what I meant. is not happy. Oh, no. Personal space. Yes. Well, that's that's in a little bit. But yeah, so Hardison does get jealous, but he also, like, he's not, like, insanely jealous, you know? Like, he understands there's a there's a certain parameter of jealousness he's allowed. And he stays yes. within those parameters. Definitely. He's not allowed to go off, go, you know. And he doesn't, he doesn't bring them up to Parker either. Like he, he realizes yeah. this is something he has to deal with. Yeah. Whereas like Taggart is just like, he's all in his feelings. You want to see other partners? <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> but I do love Taggart and Hardison just like each trying to like one up each other with the jokes. <laughs> I was a danger. Yes. <laughs> so good. So um, everybody meets back up at the in Nate's apartment, and he's frustrated with everybody. I love that they did this whole scene in all of their various costumes. <laughs> and they were saying in the commentary that they wanted to do the scene in all of their costumes, so they didn't have Nate's done yet. And so Nadine, who's the costume director, they were like, we're trying. She and uh, Timothy. Uh, we're trying to figure out how to do his hair the right way. And then they like broke into the woman who was making his costume. They broke into her house to get the costume so they could film the scene. Seriously? So, I'm just saying that we should all appreciate the scene because they had to break the law to do it. Uh, they didn't really go into details, but I'm like, what? There was a heist within the heist? Like a real life heist to make a fake life heist? I'm, this is my favorite thing. So Nate's really frustrated. Oh. Yes. Yeah. So meta. <laughs> so meta. Uh, everyone else is getting frustrated. And Elliot even says, I didn't need to come home to this. I've been around kids all day. I, you know, I don't need to come home to this. It's just so, it's so domestic. And I love it. And meanwhile, Parker. Like, is assaulted at the caliber of children he has to deal with. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. dealing with Skylar's and Indigo's. Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, so he and Hardison are kind of picking at each other about, well, I couldn't, I didn't see the guy. He didn't give me his name, but Parker has drawn this amazing sketch of the gunman. And then she's like, oh, like, see. (laughs) And Hardison's like, 
didn't know you could do this. And she says, oh, can't everybody do this? No, not everybody can draw like that. Again. Come on. Come on. We got a long um, way to go, Parker. Miles uh-huh. to go before we can Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I want to know what other things she thinks are just completely normal that she can do that other people do not. Picking locks. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Jumping out of buildings. the benches of a <laughs> So during all of their arguments, uh, Sophie hears Woodmark <gasps> singing in his apartment and he's singing Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen. Oh. <laughs> I was like, he's Zazu. Because <laughs> that's, that's that song. It's the Lion King. <laughs> it's just Zazu singing the scar. Um, oh my god, I did not even, <laughs> Yes. I did not put that together. Oh yeah. Uh, and then Sophie quotes Hamlet, which is great because the Lion King is Hamlet. Do you know how much my bl- mind was blown when <laughs> someone told me that? Like I, I know, right? Together. Yeah, it's creepy. Um, but she misquotes Hamlet, so she says, um, the play is the thing wherein I'll catch the conscience of a king, and it should be the king, but whatever. Uh, and so Nate asks her. I mean, if you're gonna nitpick, <laughs> yes. Which with Shakespeare, come on, we have to. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I did not like Hamlet when I read it. Did um, not enjoy it. I like Hamlet, but I preferred Othello. I preferred King Lear. Mm-hmm. I do like King Lear. Yeah, but comedies are much more my jam. I love Much Ado. Hmm. Um. That's still my absolute favorite. Um, Twelfth Night. Twelfth Night is great. Midsummer Night's Dream is my fave. I just love people getting high and like hanging out in the forest fairies. The tragedy of um, Pyramus and Thisbe. What? Asleep, my love? What? Dead, my dove? Yeah. I really love that play. Okay, so now we're going to stage a musical. Uh, Sophie says it's going to take something that he's good good at. Uh, Sophie says she could she could put on a musical in six weeks, and Nate tells her she has two days. So so here's our sciencecal, which is I think a really great way of using something that the kids already had. She says we have the props; the kids already have all the facts memorized. We're just setting it to music, and we can perform that. That's we're just exactly up a little bit. That's all. It's great. And we have Judy Kim's song about fusion. And I love the line, so what is knowledge without emotional context? <laughs> and Ridmark just says, facts? <laughs> Which is true. And then, like, and then Sophie, I, again, sitting behind the table, hiding the bambino. Oh, and no, at this point, she's cool. sitting there in her, like, very uh, 1960s mod dress with her hair in the pigtails. Oh, yeah. And she's got the, like, the long uh, silk kind of tie. With the big oh, no, so collar. The spelling bee. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. But yeah, and she's got like the yellow tights on here. Like that's that outfit is really cool. And I'm but really then you like and then and then Sophie's like, Judy Kim, you seriously just came up with that? <laughs> she's like, Yeah. With her braces. <laughs> her like big old smile. I love her. And yeah, and Skyler with his potato. <laughs> Look, I can turn on a light bulb. Like no one gives a shit, Skylar. Like, Judy Kim is either gonna be like, she's either gonna snap and be like this evil man, man scientist, mm-hmm. or she's gonna snap in the other direction and be this like hippie artist in the garret. Mm. I have hope for Judy Kim. I have hope for Judy Kim. <laughs> so that's my, that's my bumper sticker for this episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sophie like basically gets with Mark to sing a little bit and it's like, mm-hmm. you are gonna be the, the sh- you know. It's understated, but it's perfect. Like, you're going to be, you're going to be, like, the grand finale. You're going to be the closer. You're going to be, like, the the headliner or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yes, the finale, yeah. And everyone's like, oh, oh, that? That guy? Him? Seriously? Okay. <laughs> and Hardison and Parker have gotten into Fowler's apartment, and they, Parker uses the metal detector to figure out where the money's hidden, uh, or where the, his stash is hidden. Because you can't really hide $20 million. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, then we've got the angry mob of parents again who have found out that Woodmark is going to have the lead, like the the finale in the science-icle. And they're pissed at this 10-year-old child who had no control over what his asshole stepdad did. Uh, And 
But so, they, you know, stand up to him and, uh, you know, Nate pushes them out the door. And then they have this, like, really great, this scene with Hart, uh, Nate and Sophie. And it's just one of those scenes where they're, you see how they're kind of equal. Take that thing off your head. I know, she's I, like, I can't talk to you with that dead cat on your head. I'm sorry. And then that, like, little, like, extra where, like, when Ellie, when, when Nate's like, look, even Ellie found a way to make this work for him. Mm-hmm. And then that um, amazing little <laughs> He's doing martial arts with the girls. Yes. He's on our strength. So good. And when I was watching with the commentary, they were so excited for that scene because they're like, and watch Elliot's face here. And it cuts away before they do a close up on his face. And they were so upset. <laughs> like, Jonathan Briggs was like, what? Where? Because I guess he had a great reaction shot of his face. And I don't know what it would have been. Uh, but yeah, they cut it for time, I guess. All right, come at me. But I just think like that was just Christian King, like really enjoying yeah. kids. Yeah. You can tell. And then like John has said multiple times on the blog, like, kids love Christian. Mm-hmm. And he loves it right back. It's it's magic. Yeah. It's so cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um and then yeah, it kind of does go back to Nate and Sophie's conversation where I kind of wrote that this is like another we're seeing Nate kind of step down this ladder further where he's he's willing to put throw people under the bus to get where he wants to go. And he's like showing like he can tell like Sophie's off her game, but basically he's mm-hmm. like get it over yourself, get it together, we got a job to do. We got to get in and out. Let's do it. Yeah. But also then, you know, Sophie says she just wants people to see see Widmark as he really is. Uh, and he like looks at her and he can tell that she's actually also talking about herself she's starting to have this really crisis of, of identity and 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 woodmark is really cracking that wide open uh yeah and then we jump back over to hardison and parker with the fbi agents and he has to rein in his jealousy because taggart's like oh i think your partner's sweet on mcsweden and he's like what no <laughs> and then he just has to let that go, go back to the job he's like uh-huh no uh, what and then uh-huh. like and then McSweden, oh coffee kiss yeah what a weird thing to say to a colleague. <laughs> what a borderline inappropriate thing to say. Kind of a, And she's just like, ha, 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 what? I don't understand people. I don't know. Uh, she just focuses on the job at hand, looking at the blueprints, like what's going mm-hmm. on. What, like, yeah. Yeah. I think she is kind of like tickled by him. She doesn't really understand why, but she's like, this guy makes me smile a little bit. He's amusing. Okay. He abuses me. He makes yes. Me. Like, oh, interesting. <laughs> this this organism. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> but, so everybody's getting ready to go to the school for the sciencecal, and Parker. They've kind of orchestrated a way for her to stay behind with the surveillance equipment. So and, they can do the rappelling. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah. So McSweden's like, he kind of like does this like. Convert like non-verbal conversation with Taggart, and Taggart's like, oh, "I'll tell you what, we only need two people. Like, why don't we switch it up?" And he's like, "Oh, I'll stay here with with Agent Hagen," and and then so so Hardison has to say, "Okay, no, y'all go. I'll stay here." So Har- Hardison is gonna have to break into this apartment. And then and Parker's like, "And we know how much he loves hanging off the side of buildings." Right and Parker's like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "Look." Agent McSweet is going to go where you go. So this is the only way you're going to do this. Go. Yeah. Talk me through it. Mm-hmm. Do, 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 do. So they we go separate. Artisan and the other agents go back, go to the school um, with Fowler and his wife. And they've they've checked. He, he's bringing a camera bag because the wife's like, is the camera battery charged? Because I don't want to miss a minute. And then later they don't record any of it. If you notice. Like, the wife is not recording any of it. She's just, she's being in the moment, which is good. But they didn't actually really need that camera bag. I mean, as we or were in a minute. she was thinking the husband would be recording this thing. Who knows? And he wasn't. And he should have been. Um, I hate him. I hate Fowler. So. You're taking this very personally. I don't know why. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's the bad parenting? Is it's, that the like- ba- it's the bad parenting. It's the bad parenting. Okay. Uh, Yes. So, understandable trigger. Yeah. Innocent little children. I know. I know. I feel strongly about little kids. So, uh, 
Hardison, I just, I have a note here that says Hardison looks really good in the climbing rig. So, I just, Hardison looks good in everything. He's in a suit, he's in a Henley, he's in climbing gear, whatever. I don't care. He looks good. Aldous just has the build that's made for it, I think. Yeah. He's so good. <laughs> um, so, uh, Widmark has disappeared from backstage, and Sophie finds him in the bathroom hey, crying. Yeah, he's freaking out. He's having some stage fright. And they have a heart to tar- heart. To heart. Um, and meanwhile, Parker's trying to talk Hardison through his break-in while also talking to McSweeten. So we have, it cuts back and forth from this, like, really heartfelt, like, serious, like, uh, you know, heart, you know, heart-to-heart thing to this farcical... Talking uh, in, like, the worst code ever. Yes, yeah, and, and trying to carry on these two different conversations at the same time and drink a smoothie. Uh, and, and it's, you know, Parker's trying to talk to a, a, a person, you know, so it's that added level of difficulty Don't be blue. Don't be blue. Don't be blue. You have 30 seconds before... You know. Override your feelings. <laughs> Stay cool. Um, yeah, so it's so great. But Hardison successfully breaks in. He turns off the alarms before they can go off. And he he goes to where they, you know, they just, they know he's hiding something in the wall and there's nothing in there. Uh, so it looks like they, he's somehow gotten it out of the, the house. They do find Woodmark's phone, which is how uh, Fowler was able to communicate with somebody on the outside. And and then we see Elliot spot the gunman from earlier up in the balcony. Why Fowler is extra assholey because he he knew exactly why Woodmark's phone disappeared. He's the way the kid out for it. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's really. Uh, <laughs> I know. So this is like that feeds into why I think it's the worst. Um, but yeah, so Elliot sees the gunman who is basically Donald Trump Jr. This, did, he not, did he not look like Don Jr.? He Why do I want to ruin my appetite? I saw the eat dinner he, he was the bad guy and he got the crap beaten out of him and he was shoved into a cabinet. So that's oh, how I want things to work out. Ugh. I want I was hoping it was some wish fulfillment ahead of time. Oh yeah. Boy, so that. they right, they realize that the FBI agents are actually the targets of this gunman and not Fowler himself. And that there must be something valuable in the camera bag that he's brought with him. And uh, so Nate wants Sophie to drop Widmark and just focus on the job. And she refuses to do that because she cares about this kid now and she wants him to help out. Elliot's That's- fighting Elliot's fighting the gunman in the backstage area. And she's just like, please be quiet. <laughs> you keep do it not ruin this, you, Do not yeah. ruin the bicycle. <laughs> this is very important. <laughs> Um, as Elliot fights the gunman, they realize that Fowler has been texting Sanford and that all along they've been working together because he's the one who set up the, the, the hitman. And then Widmark shows up in his bread mold t-shirt. What's the most adorable thing ever? <laughs> like, oh my God. The most poorly made bread mold t-shirt. I love it. And he, he pulls it out. He like he performs amazingly and he has so much confidence and he's great. And Widmark's mom turns to Fowler and says, he's not bad. <laughs> Which is like so lo- such a low standard. She wasn't even like, he was amazing. She was just like, he's not bad. What do you have expectations uh, for you? Yeah. Right, right. And then everyone gives him a standing ovation except for Fowler. So this guy was not even shamed by the fact that everybody else stood up. Like, that's how much of an asshole he is. Sure. Yeah. So as everybody is standing up, Nate walks by and, like, just casually swipes the bag, the camera bag that has been replaced by Sanford uh, with, he just gets it with his cane, just takes it off. And he finds inside it a new identity and a plane ticket to Bogota. And, uh, because, yeah, living a new life in sunny Bogota. And uh, Elliot grabs Sanford backstage and they grab the tapes. And luckily the tapes that were in the bag fit into this player that Sophie finds for the sound system, because well, that's how it goes. And uh, when, then they, they play. When, like Sophie's trying to shush him, be quiet while you're beating that guy up. Like, <laughs> really? It's like, I'm, this is my job. Don't tell me how to do my job. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so they play this tape that has all this incriminating evidence on it. And it's played for everybody in the uh, 
in this theater. And then everybody gets arrested. <laughs> Taggart jumps on Fowler and uh, McSweeten gets Sanford and says, After, you oh, know, he trips a little bag. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Nate's like, oh, I found this bag and it had this guy's wrong name. I thought his name was Fowler. With his awful German accent. <laughs> I don't know where this came from. Uh, I don't know what that accent was. I apologize. Um, yeah, so incriminating, evi- incriminating evidence everywhere. Everyone gets arrested who needs to be arrested. Uh, McSweeten. But what's the name of the actor who played the hit guy like, who you think looks like Junior? Do we ever find out his name? Um, the character's name or the actor? The actor. The actor, he's actually one of their stuntmen. Oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's actually just one of their stuntmen. But he looks like, like, he looks like a better... It looks like what Donald Trump Jr. wished he looked like. Oh, God. That makes me sick. Right. <laughs> but um, Photosynthesis but Kid. His name was Will Grimm, just so you know. He's not. Photosynthesis Kid was Will Grimm? Will Grimm, G R I M M E. Either Kevin L. Jackson or Brian Height. Interesting. Okay. It's the stunt coordinator and the stunt player. So, because I don't think the gunman is... Oh, Hannah Wilson was the cloud kid. Hannah Wilson was the cloud kid, yes. (laughs) Oh, God. Kareem Hill was the clinic security guard at the beginning, who, when the dad is bringing his daughter, who is not breathing, to the door of the clinic, he says, can't you see the sign? We're closed. Jerk. (laughs) Thanks, clinic security guard. You're a winner. So, yeah, everybody gets arrested and needs to be arrested. Nurse K gets a check from Sophie and Nate for the clinic. Uh, and I'm not sure how much time has passed because uh, Widmark and his mom are there, and Widmark's mom has gotten a job at the clinic since her oh, husband was yeah. in jail. <gasps> but they, like, saved the clinic because the clinic was going to go for sale the next week, but it's but obviously open again. The team gave Tagger Miss Sweden another win. Mm, yeah. They're getting all the wins. They're moving up. <laughs> they look so proud of themselves when they were, she's like, we'll have y'all been. Yeah, they don't realize like they, they, they have their own fairy godparents, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's true. This and this truly is the fairy godparents job. Uh, and then, you know, Nate says, oh, this is so interesting because this con depended on you, Sophie, telling the truth. And she's like, yeah, but that's not going to happen again because if I start telling the truth, I stop being Sophie Devereaux. And Nate says, well, maybe that's a good thing. And, and then look, Sophie gives a shudder, like, yeah. She's like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah. Never. <laughs> Never. And that's the end of the episode. So, I'm calling them heist lights. Have you heard of a heist recently that you'd like to talk about? Uh, yes! Okay. Right. You, you get the heist today. Okay, there was this article. I think I... Um, I DM'd it to you like a week or so ago. Um, apparently, there was this woman named Anna March. Mm-hmm. And then apparently she just like infiltrated herself into these like literary circles. And then like, prom- and then was saying like how she like was new people in publishing and couldn't get deals and stuff. And then she scammed like a lot of people out of money and then she would just Ooh. pick up. Mm-hmm. And like run up, and then she ended up in the in Hobart, Delaware, and LA. Like she just kind of picked herself up and like reinvent herself. Like mm-hmm. she like apparently was at this like A list party with like Roxanne Gay and all these like big names and things like that. It was just uh-huh. very weird, and um, so she just pretended to be this like publishing female, and then. And then she and then she started this thing where like I can help you get published. You can just pay me three thousand. I can give you feedback or whatever, whatever. And then mm-hmm. just pay me thirty thousand dollars. I'll I'll help you get a publishing contract. Yeah. <sighs> if you want to find out how she got caught, you can check yeah. the show notes because I'm going to put the link in there. Um, okay, so before we uh, kind of wrap this up. 
I just wanted to thank, I, I never check them because I just figure if one person listens to this podcast, I'm happy. I just like to talk about what I love. Uh, but I checked iTunes the other day. And we have two five-star reviews on, on iTunes and that was wonderful. So they're from users, um, I'm probably going to say it wrong, Kosium or Kosium and uh, Sir Chomsky. And they, they gave five stars, but they also gave really, really nice, uh, sweet reviews and feedback. And that was just so really, just wonderful to hear. Uh, but yeah, so if you reviewed this, thank you very much. Uh, you don't have to. We're not really making money doing any of this. Uh, and we're just having fun. So, But if you want to, go for it. And then maybe other people could As find it. As evidenced by this conversation, we are not doing this. I know. We're not looking to monetize this, people. No. Uh, and no one, um, no one would pay us for it. So... <laughs> And I don't blame them. But uh, yeah, no, if you know anybody who likes leverage, please feel free to share this with them. And yeah, keep keep listening. So Lisa, remind everyone where they can find you. I am Because Buffer. you really do need to get back to, you know, your revisions. Oh, because you have an agent and a deadline. I have hives. You can me hives. I'm my law for the one on Twitter. Um, I... As he stated, I am on on deadline, so I'm not going to be there as much as often as you usually am. And, you know. And if she is, tell her to go back and keep writing. And as always, you can find me at LibrarianStee. Um, just about everywhere. But yeah. So thank you for listening. Next episode we'll be talking about is three days of the hunter job right thank you yes it is the three days of the hunter job i'm not sure who's going to be on for that one but we will figure it out and you won't see us again but you'll hear us again when we talk about that episode